It's been, it's been a big year for the beard. Um, no. It's good to be back. Um, really, really, really good. Um, and I don't know how your year has been, but our year has been, has been massive. I think from our move, after Christmas Day, our last service here, um, setting up life in, in Melbourne, finding a new church, um, my new role, and working out what's involved in what, what my job is, because it's kind of hard to know sometimes. And I've also travelled a bit. You've seen some of that probably. And it's been a bit epic. So, But have you had times this year too when it feels like the chaos was overtaking you? Or you've been overwhelmed by the, all the tasks and the work and work pressures? I know that this year I certainly have, I think we both have, but I certainly have been felt stretched more than once. And I guess the question is, how do we get perspective back when things get tough? And how do we beat back the forces of chaos? Um, Psalm 33 is a song of praise that brings us, I think, this really good big picture perspective. If we grasp the truth of this psalm, then we can rediscover the centre. Not just of our individual life, but the very centre of all that is. I think this psalm is a beautiful reminder of who God is, how good he is, how great he is, and it gives us a picture of a God who's worthy to be trusted. Sorry, my screen just jumped. Whether to be trusted, who can be relied upon, and who holds all things in his hands. So if you've got your psalm, hopefully you've got a psalm opened on your phone or your Bible, if you still believe in paper. No, we'll try that. There it is. Oh, hey. Once again, like days of old. Too many people poking buns. Slide number two, Will. Uh, there's a funny flashback right there, isn't there, really? How about slide two, Will? <laughs> oh, Chucky, thank you, guys. Um, so just, just a bit of a surprise, turn to someone near you and have a quick look through this arm. We'll get you to do some work before I do, since I'm the work already. We'll get you to do a bit of work up front, too. So what parts, as you read through it, what parts of this psalm resonate with you this morning? Are you praising God? Or are there some bits of this psalm that, wish, that you wish were true for you, that you long for in your life? So take a couple of minutes, look over the psalm, and see what you can find. And in a couple of minutes then, turn to someone near you and share something that resonates in this psalm for you. And then at the end, we'll have you come back and give me a bit of feedback on what you found, okay? Go! All right, what did you find? Does a small group just want to just shout something out or tell something? What did you find? And what resonated with you? Nico? Yeah, well, you're up at me, so you're doomed, right? You haven't learned a trick yet. Yeah, great. Thank you. Another group? Oh. All right, Jeff's group. You can, you know, it's a Jeff's group or May's group? June's group? I'm not sure whose group it is, but Jeff's cheering was riveting. Oh, Jeff, rivet us, mate. Yeah. Got to go to work. Oh, there's leg on the floor. <laughs> I'm running late. <laughs> yes, rejoicing in the morning can be hard work. One more group. 
about you, Evan? What did your group? Did your group decide anything or come with anything? Ah, verse 16. A popular verse. The same sorts of reasons? Yeah, the, is it unanimous, unanimous nodding. Excellent. Yeah, oh yeah, good. Yeah, what they said. Okay, so this morning we're going to walk, I walk, we're going to walk through Psalm 33 with you. And as we go, I'll try to share a little bit as we go about what we've seen God doing in our lives and ministry this year. So for those of you who we haven't actually met and don't know well, Ellie and I were here until Christmas Day was our last service here in the church. On Boxing Day, we drove down to Melbourne. We've been there ever since, basically. We've been living there ever since. I've been in and out around the world a bit. Um, so now I'm leading an organisation called SAL in Australia, which is involved in training people for language development work, so Bible translation, literacy. Um, yeah, so we're down there now. This is our first time back, and it's good to be back in the warmth. This morning, when we, at some point, 7.30, the temperature at 7.30 in Tawong was the same as the high in Kangaroo Ground in Melbourne. So whatever it was, 12 degrees or something, it's nice to be in a place where numbers are bigger. Okay, verses 1 to 3. Verses 1 to 3, I have to check the slide. There's, this com- there's a command to praise God, which is followed by, the rest of the psalm really is unpacking the reasons why we should praise God. Right? That's the whole psalm. The opening verses of the psalm are a call to worship addressed to God's people. They're described as being the godly, the pure. It's the people who are relying on God. The godly are people who recognize that they are frail, that they are fallible, and so they orient their lives to rely on the relationship with God. And it's because their relationship with God that they're called to live lives which demonstrate their reliance on Him. And it's not just an individual experience, notice, but it's one which is actually worked out in community. So the psalm calls God's people to get together and sing and to worship as a community. And as we gather, then we actually are expressing our identity as being people who are reliant on God. And the psalm then also calls people to worship with music and song. And so the music, the song of God's people is their way to declare the truth about their God. And so song and music is a testimony. It gives witness to each other and to the world. Notice too that the worship of God, the worship of God's people is diverse. It involves different kinds of instruments. And it's creative. Verse 3, it says, sing a new song. So there's always going to be new songs to be written for musicians and songwriters to find new ways to express how good God is. And it's an act of skill an act of joy. I think again this morning as just being back here, thinking back through the history of, say, worship and song and singing here in Yes, it's clear that God over time has raised up again and again new worship leaders, hasn't he? There are periods when, oh no, who's going to play? We don't know who's going to play. Who's going to lead? Who's going to coordinate? But again and again we've seen that actually God has raised up new worship leaders. And so, and a congregation, I think, we've also, over the years, we've also have grown in our confidence in worshipping and our, our enjoyment of music and song. We have much to praise God about, much to praise God for. One of the great joys of my role this year um, has been 
the opportunity to, opportunity to pray and worship with other Christians. Um, so in April, I was in Bali for meetings, mostly in a hotel. So it was pretty good. Very nice buffet, but it was basically a hotel. Meeting rooms. <laughs> um, but an absolute highlight was one morning, one of the mornings, the morning Sunday, the, the middle Sunday, there was a time of worship and reflection with about 300 leaders from SAL and Wycliffe Bible Translators in one room from people from all over the Asia and the Pacific. And so there was prayers and there was singing, chances to reflect, chances to share, just showcased for me the amazing unity but also the amazing diversity that, uh, that is in God's family. And this unity and this fellowship that we can experience even here today is only possible because of the goodness of God. I think so too if we think about yes and BCCC. We think about perhaps the partnership with the Church of Christ for the Christmas carols over the years. Knowing that there can be this amazing unity and grace when Christians get together to serve and worship together. And quite amazing things can happen as we, as we do that. In verses 4 and 5 of the psalm, underline that we can praise God because his word is powerful and his word holds true. So we can trust everything that he does. He loves what is right, he loves what is good, and his love fills the earth. And I think that's one of the privileges to think of perhaps of, of my role, um, is that we continue to hear stories, and I'm, kind of, I'm hearing more and more stories now, about just how powerful God's word is. Um, so, yeah, Ellie and I, we worked in Indonesia, and we're involved in what's become a Bible translation project for people who do not have the Bible. And, but we're still connected to that Papua and Malay team. And um, this year, Ellie has taken on the role of, of mentoring Belinda, an Aussie woman, via Skype, who is now the project manager. So being part of that journey is a blessing, and we're regularly encouraged by the stories that we, we're hearing. And this is Yoss. She's at the front right, Ellie. That's Yoss. A story from Yoss. So Yoss is now a member of the team the Bible translation team for Papa Malay. We actually have never met her, I don't think. But she's grown up in church with her father as a pastor. But until recently, all the churches in Papua had to work, had to use the Indonesian Bible, Indonesian language Bible, which most people find hard to understand because it's actually not their language. They don't speak it at home. And, but Yoss has got this great story I'll share with you about the power of understanding God's word in her own language which has helped her to come to depend on God's strength and God's hope. She says, The very first story I helped craft, so this is story te- oral storytelling, this was recorded, the very story, first story I helped to craft into my language was God's promise to Abraham. I related to that story on a very personal level. I realised that, like me, Abraham wasn't well educated, but because of his faith, God's promise was fulfilled in his life. And I wanted to be like Abraham. The most important thing is to be faithful to God. If God used Abraham to reach his own nation, God could use me too. That has now become a deep longing within me. I long to see my people know God more. What I've experienced, God, what I've experienced, God's love that I've experienced, has changed my life 100%. And I want other people to experience it too. Pray for my hope that all the people groups in Papua will be one to Christ. It's quite amazing. This is a 
a lady who's grown up in church with a Bible but has said she never used to read it and didn't much interest in it. But now as she's understood the power of God's word, the truth of God's word, all of a sudden she wants to, help, she wants to know God more and she wants other people to know God, know God more. Yeah, so this is, this is the, the truth of some of verses 4 and 5. That God's word is powerful in helping us to learn. That God can be trusted. That he loves what is just. He loves what is good. And that his unfailing love is for everyone everywhere. In verses 6 to, six to 9, the writer of the psalm turns to creation as evidence that God is worthy of praise. And we're called to recognize that God is not far off. God is not an abstract idea. He made the universe we live in. And with the power of his spoken word, he put everything in its place. In Melbourne at SILA, each Thursday, so we're a training, a training institution, we train, we consult. And so every Thursday morning tea, all the staff, the faculty, the students, we get together, we have a little break together, we call God Focus. And it's, it's kind of our weekly time together. And we take time out of the business of our work day and our study, and I think, I think of it as being like a little mini Sabbath. We're taking a little mini break to get some peace and quiet. And one of my team, Roz, leads these sessions for us. There she is. Um, Roz and her husband, Ken, have a remarkable story. Um, they lived in northern Thailand and worked with language communities in Myanmar, in what was Burma, for 20 years. Um, very early in their time in Thailand, when they were first there, they were involved in a very, very bad car accident. And their daughter um, almost died, and she suffered a very severe brain injury. And as she slowly recovered, and Roz had to help her learn to walk and eat and everything, they made the choice not to make the regular trips that people like us to break. They chose not to come home every few years for a furlough or for a break because it was just too hard for their daughter to adjust to a new environment. They stayed where they were and they just kept at it for 20 years. And they stayed, they worked. But eventually, recently, they've relocated to Australia as their daughter's gone into high school. And, um, sorry, as their daughter finished high school. And she's now just started her first job, having finished university. An amazing, amazing story to spend 20 years in a country, to distance yourself from your family and friends, your home churches, because that was actually what was, what was best for their family. Um, and the incredible work they've done, um, not just with their daughter, but in, in Bible translation work in a closed country like Myanmar. And the amazing thing is that this couple is there is no bitterness about them. They are not bitter about their journey. They're not bitter about how hard it's been. They're just thankful. They're thankful and they're full of deep joy. And so every week when Roz leads us in our God-focused time as a community, she brings us to that place of thankfulness and joy every week. And she's been working really hard to help us, you know me, it's very hard for some of us to slow down, to kind of stop, yeah? We're an organisation which is about words and language, but our lives become overwhelmed and flooded with language and words, don't they? It's too much noise. And she, each week she gives us this gift of quiet and silence. And she often leads us to meditate and to reflect on God's goodness and in his creation. 
the heart of these verses is that God is an orderly God. That when he creates, his creation is orderly and trustworthy. And these verses definitely recall Genesis chapter 1, don't they? The power of the spoken word of God to bring things into being. And that created world is a, is a demonstration of the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God. The order of the world reflects God's nature. And this then becomes another reason why it's good to praise and worship him. And if you've been following a bit of, bit of our journey on Facebook, you know that we also live in a beautiful place now. Well, we live in a pretty good place now but before, but this is much better than Tawong, I must admit. I thought Tawong was pretty good, actually. Now, green rolling hills, sunsets, sunrises, kangaroos everywhere. Um, it's been a great place for us to live and work, and we're very thankful for that. It's been a good place for Ellie for, for healing, for her health, too. And it's also it's a blessing as people come and spend time with us at our house. This is kind of our, that's close to being our, that's our backyard, basically. Um, when people come to spend time with us, they are also able to be blessed by this beautiful place. Yeah? And it's every morning I walk straight outside onto the back grass watching out for the kangaroo poo, but I give, and I give great thanks to God for the good place he has put us in. Yeah? So in verses 6 to 9, there's this praise of, praise of God's hand in creation. In verses 10 to 12, his hand in history is praised. The writer now turns to human history and the truth that God is not only aware of what's going on, but his plans are greater. And that's a comfort, that's a comfort to me. There's an awful lot of chaos in the world, isn't there? And I feel like, just, I don't know, this last couple of years it's getting more and more, more and more worse, more and more dire. Anyway, the question is, how could an ordinary person make a difference in this world? And the psalmist reminds me that in verse 12, that God's plans and purposes are bigger and greater, and he will not be thwarted, he will not be frustrated, he will not be stopped by the chaos around us. Think over the years we've seen God repeatedly protect, yes, and protect this church and provide for it in ways that we couldn't imagine, and so we give him thanks for that, don't we? And world events, of course, can also become opportunities for God's people. We have a family studying with us right now, the Hermans. Alfinda and Aidan, um, and they're two young boys. They are keen to go to Central Europe. They want to work in literacy and Bible translation. That's what they're training for, and they're going to finish. She finishes her study end of this year. And they're still working out exactly what and where they'll be doing it, but one of the opportunities which is looking very promising for them is in refugee camps. So you imagine that out of the horror and conflict of the Middle East or North Africa, that God could use an Aussie couple from Perth to help a community access God's word in their language, to be able to start to read and write in their own language, perhaps for the first time, all in a refugee camp in Europe. Yeah, that this is people who could potentially be unreached, who have never heard the word of God, who never could have heard the word of God. But now in this new situation, which is still hard and, and difficult and yucky, still that there is this, amazing, this is opportunity for hope, yeah, that people could hear God's word in that situation. I think you know, God's, God's hand is, is amazing. We see God's hand in history, we see that in our own lives too. Where God brings about circumstances and answers. We've seen God answer so many prayers over his people's work, even just you guys now, over his people's work and people's situations. It's quite amazing. And in verses 13 to 15, 
the psalm moves from the big world events, if you like, I think, to look quite more closely, perhaps, at the life of the individual. And these, folk, these verses focus on God's relationship and understanding of normal people, of us. Verse 14, he observes, he knows, he understands our lives. And in verse 15, because he's made us, he knows us, he understands us. Verses 16 to 19, the verse that quite a few of you picked, they go a step further and suggest that and they have promised us that God's people are safe in him, that God is reliable, that God is stronger than anyone, any power in the world. We're reminded again that kings and armies cannot be relied upon. But verses 18 and 19, that God has made us for his purposes. And so we are to learn to rely on his strength, his love and protection over our lives. This is such a reassurance that God watches over those who fear him, who are seeking to honour him, and that he looks after those who rely on his unfailing love. I guess the challenge for God, the challenge for us, is to learn to rely on him, to learn to trust him, and not to build our security and our lives on other things. I think that that good grace of God, to trust him, has helped. Yes, in the past, we started things like, like the playgroup, or Sunday fun day, even the Christmas carols. Certainly God's good grace, his trustworthiness, is also what enabled us to step out from our, from our roles here and to move to Melbourne. And that God has not disappointed us. We may have left family and friends and, and you guys here, but God has brought us into a new church community, which is encouraging and supportive, and which has looked after Ellie well when at times when I've been away. And so God continues to deepen our trust. He continues to deepen our reliance on him. Verses 20 and 22, 20 to 22, continue this theme that we worship a God who can be trusted way more than trusting military might, political power, wealth or anything else. And as he moves into the final verses of the psalm, the writer reaches a conclusion that God is, is our only dependable help. So in these verses, the words hope and trust are repeated. And we're encouraged to put our hope in God and to trust him. And hope is not a matter of just crossing our fingers. Trust is not blind. In the Old Testament, if you think about it, hope and trust are active words that imply, put, that imply putting one's identity putting one's future into the hands of God. So we turn to God, we wait on him confidently, knowing that he sees and knows, and that he will deliver us. Another friend and colleague of ours named Peter shared a story with us recently about a trip to East Africa. Peter is a, a paramedic and a fiery, and he, was, he leads medical trips um, into, into area, into villages, in a context where there's already bubble translation going on. Um, so he's part with local partnerships and then trying to provide medical care and aid in those contexts. And so they were there, these massively busy days with, at, at clinics. And one of the village elders approached him and said he wanted to give the medical team a cold drink. And so he invited them back to his place. So the team leader, Peter's thinking, well, if we do that, we have to close the clinic and turn away patients. 
or he could accept this invitation of hospitality. And so Peter, as a good Aussie guy, his Western value says, oh, we need to keep working, <laughs> right? We must see more patience. But there's something. He kind of you know, was tempted to say thanks, but no thanks. But he told us that God brought back into mind something that he'd learned in anthropology class with Ellie. That is, there is more to hospitality than we just might think. A cold drink is not just a cold drink, perhaps. And he said that he could remember Ellie's voice saying, relationships, relationships, relationships. And so Peter sensed that God wanted them to do that. And so he, they followed this invitation. They shut the clinic. Um, turns out this village elder had a restaurant, a little restaurant. So, that became, so drinks became dinner. Dinner then turned into speeches. We understand this. Um, and to that their host was not just a village elder. He's actually a member of the nation's parliament. <laughs> and in his speech, he pledged that he would advocate for the task of Bible translation um, and make it easier for medical teams to get visas and to continue to visit. So Peter's willingness to trust that God had brought this interruption along became a God-given appointment which is no doubt going to have an immense impact in the years to come, by God's grace. And it required Peter, I guess, to be willing to listen, to be, have his radar, have his antenna up, so he could hear and trust God's voice. But again, as we have these moments in our lives, they become the moments which we learn again. Oh, we can trust God. We can trust God even more deeply than we thought. Not, not only has it changed the work in East Africa... But it's also changed Peter's relationship with God. He now has a deeper, more trusting relationship with God. We're very thankful to God for, for allowing us to partner together in this work. And so your prayers and your partnership make a massive difference to people like Peter as he ministers in East Africa, people like Yoss in Southeast Asia, students who are preparing to serve in Central Asia, and leaders like the ones I've been meeting with in Pacific, and of course my staff team. And the gratitude that you have for God's blessings that you freely share with us has an impact right around the world, frankly. And this is God's marvellous work as we trust him. So thank you for responding to God's, God's goodness to you, and uh, your prayers are, are really valued and really needed. <laughs> Our final thank you slide notice, kangaroos in our backyard in heavy rain, so very cold kangaroos. But we had to get a kangaroo photo in there, I think, because most of you have seen lots of kangaroo photos on the Facebook pages. The psalm now ends with a declaration of faith and trust and a call for God to surround the people with his faithful love. So as we learn to trust and we learn to hope, as we come to understand more and more that God is good then we're able to make the final verse of this psalm our daily prayer. Let your unfailing love surround us, O Lord, for our hope is in you alone. So as we think about taking this psalm home and making it real in our life tomorrow, I guess this is the first challenge, is take some time this week, if you can daily, not just in the morning, Jeff, but you know, some point, um, to pray this, to pray the psalm. If you, if you rush for time, Pray this last verse. Let your unfailing love, Lord, surround us, for our hope is in you alone.
We need this truth to be true in our lives. And then watch as you pray it. Watch and see how God answers you. Another challenge, I guess, and I can I speak as someone who struggles with this. <laughs> during your week or during yeah, some point, take some time to have these little mini, a mini Sabbath, a little break, in the midst of all the busyness, even if it's only for 20 minutes, to worship God and his creation, to find some stillness and quiet, to meet him there, and to thank and worship him. Reflect on his goodness. So I challenge you to pray about that and see what, God, what ideas God gives you to kind of make that happen. It's not easy in this world. And finally, I guess I want to, add, want to challenge you to deepen your trust in God and your hope in his goodness. How might God be calling you to a deeper trust and a deeper reliance on him? Ask the Lord and respond to him as he reveals this to you. God is our centre. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our thanks. Our time, our resources, our trust and our hope. And we pray that his unfailing love will surround you. For our hope is in him alone. Amen.